Good morning to you. I'm sorry. You could do a little better than that. Good morning to you. Oh, it makes me so precious, precious. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7. We're studying today the topic called to be intercessors. Would you repeat that with me? Called to be intercessors. Before I pray, I just want to thank the most noble people on the face of the earth, you wonderful people, because you are people of prayer. Every success we've had, every good thing has been because people have prayed. And I want to thank you for your faithful lives of prayer. And Father, as we study, your Holy Spirit can take a sentence, a thought, something not even said, and change our lives. So do it today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Um, we've done this for 30 years. We've set aside 40 days of prayer to teach people to pray, to grow prayer. It's coming up the 14th on a Wednesday, and so we will... Pray a little more, pray a little more focused, pray for some wonderful uh, things that will help us. So just we'll tell you more about that next week. Now let's talk about prayer. We never want to talk about something without giving you a definition or understanding. What does it mean to be an intercessor? What does it mean to intercede? Well, this is a simple definition. If you intercede, it means you are taking a petition to a king on behalf of other people. That's what it means to intercede, okay? Now, our goal is every week, every day, we want to love Jesus more and more. How many love Jesus? Hold your hand up. <clears throat> Excellent. We want to esteem him more, trust him more, try to learn more about him. He's the center of our lives. Now, I want to, I'm going to read these three verses from Hebrews. A lot of mystery in this book. It's very deep. A lot of wonderful things. A lot of things to learn about the Lord Jesus. But I'm going to start at verse number 23. The former priest, who were many in number, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. You can't hold office forever because one day we all die. But Jesus, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able, everyone say he is able to save to the uttermost completely those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them or us. Verse 26, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. And look at the char characteristics. Holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Now let's talk about this. Jesus Christ is our 
high priest. Well, Steve, I don't even know what that means. Well, I'll try to explain it. He is our high priest forever. He is our king, he is our prophet, and he is our priest. He does wonderful things. Because every other priest in the history of the world in Israel, eventually they died because we all as mortals die, he does not. Now look at this picture. This is a drawing of the very first high priest in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and what would you guess his name would be? I'm just curious. Could any of you figure out what his name would be? Remember, the answer is always on the screen. It's always up there. What is it? Aaron. So this is the ordination of the priesthood, and he is ordained by his younger brother, Moses, the leader of the nation. So what is a priest? A priest is a mediator between God and man. And in one sense, in the New Testament, all of us who follow Christ, we're all priests. There's a, such a thing as a priesthood of all believers. And Peter tells all of us that we re represent Christ and God to a broken world. So we are a royal priesthood. Get it? Okay, get it. Okay. Now, we as mere humans, we couldn't get to the Father on our own. We just couldn't. Too far gone, too lost, too selfish, too rebellious. We couldn't get to the Father. If we got to the Father, we couldn't understand Him because He was too high, too holy, too big, too large. We couldn't understand Him with our finite minds. So therefore, God had to help us. How did He help us? He sent a mediator a go between God and man, and that is his son, Jesus Christ. Beautiful. Now, Hebrews points out that the Lord Jesus is better or superior to every other human priest for about six reasons. He is holy, which means perfect. I'm not, you're not. We're flawed, but he's holy. He is blameless. He is pure. No flaws. No sin. Not tainted. And he's separate. He loves us as sinners, but he's different from us. He couldn't help us if he was full of sin, so he's separated. And he's exalted high above the heavens. And the verses we just read, he saves completely. Everyone say completely. Not partially, not 20%, not 60%. He can change your entire life and your future completely if you just let him. And our job, we draw near to him instead of staying away from him so he can help us. Now, I read through the Bible every year. I've done it a long time. So I'm reading in Hebrews sometime this past fall. I got a pen out. I'm marking. Read this a bunch. But this verse, it's almost like the Lord said, Steve, this is your special day. So I'm reading. And I went, oh my goodness. He or Jesus 
always lives. Say always lives. What does he always live to do? To make intercession for me and you. And I read it like I'd never seen it before. And I wrote it down on a cart. I put it in my pocket. Went to my prayer time thinking about it. Wow, he always exists and lives to make intercession? And I prayed it back to him. I said, Lord, if you live to make intercession, I know I do a lot of stuff. I'm good at some, I'm stinking others, but I do a lot of stuff. But if you live to make intercession, maybe I should live to make intercession too. If I want to be like you, and I do. And if he is an intercessor, you know, I've been praying a long time. I've prayed a lot, but I have never seen myself as an intercessor. We have a lot of people that are really gifted in prayer. I love to pray, but I've never seen myself as an intercessor. Never. Until a couple of months ago. If he's an intercessor, I should be an intercessor. And let's talk about what that means. Romans 8 tells us a little bit more. Romans 8 tells us, gives us a little bitty piece of the puzzle, a little bitty piece of the puzzle that Jesus right now, he is at the right hand, the hand of authority, the hand of the blessing of the Father. And guess what he's doing right now for you? He's interceding. And you say, well, Steve, do you understand what that means? Absolutely not. I understand this. I understand what he said. I don't understand how. I don't understand the details. But if the scripture says that's what he's doing right now, guess what that means for you? You can rest. Because he's praying for you. And if he's praying for you, and he's praying for you, and he's praying for you, you're going to make it if you don't quit. You can get out of the worst situations if you don't quit, because he's praying for you. And he prays because he knows you and he together can do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it. Go ahead, turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it, because Jesus is praying. Here's another little piece of the puzzle, just a tiny, tiny little piece of the puzzle. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, Jesus is our advocate. Everyone say advocate. What is an advocate? That means you got somebody defending you. Not somebody coming against you. Not somebody trying to ruin you, but somebody who wants to stand with you, protect you, and help you. He is your advocate. How many need an advocate? I need an advocate every single day of my life. Now, Jesus is our intercessor, and I found this, found this picture on Google yesterday. I turned my laptop around. I said, honey, look at, that's my, my wife, honey. Look at this. This is incredible. It just built my faith looking at this. I said, if Jesus is our intercessor, and he's praying for us right now, and he's not only praying, he's believing. He's not only believing, he's going to stand. 
He's not only going to stand, he's going to help us. So if he's our intercessor, let's flip the coin. What does the devil do? Here's what the devil does. He's the accuser. And what what does he want to do with his accusations? He wants to condemn us. You will never have a day where the Lord is not speaking to your heart, and you will also never have a day where some spirit of darkness is telling you you're not going to make it, you aren't forgiven, you'll never be unfree, you'll never get stuck, you'll never learn to trust and love again. The devil always whispers. He's whispered to me all morning, this afternoon, Tonight, you haven't prayed enough, you haven't studied enough, you're not this, you're not that. I try not to listen because it's a lie. Someone say amen. amen. Now, let me tell you some things about intercessors. There are people who know something. They know that prayer is the most powerful skill you can ever learn. It is the greatest thing you can ever do. Well, help me out, Steve. Well, let me just make it simple. When you work, you work. Say that. When you work, you work. But when you pray, say it. When you pray, God works. See the difference? An hour in prayer is better than 15 hours of hard work. 10 minutes in prayer is better than no prayer. Here's something else about intercessors. They learn to be very sensitive to the voice of the Lord. Now, where does the voice of the Lord come? Not to your ear. You probably couldn't handle it. Not so much to your head, but because he is spirit, he speaks to your inner person, your inner man. First, you sense something. You feel like you should do something. You have a desire to change, to grow, to try again, to love. That is the voice of the Lord speaking to you, and you'll hear it every day if you pay attention. C. Intercessors believe that their prayers bring impact. Prayers make a difference, even if they don't see it in their lifetime. So here's a problem. We pray on Monday and think the answer should be on Tuesday. And then when the answer is not there on Tuesday, we get discouraged and the devil tells us, see there, prayer doesn't work. He'll hear other people's prayer, but he didn't hear your prayer. And we give up. There are a lot of prayers I pray I will never see in my lifetime. They still work. He who asks always receives. He who knocks, the door will always be open. I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know how. That's not my business. He who seeks will always find. But don't give God a deadline. You rest. You put it in his hands. And you go on about your business. Another thing about intercessors they are available to serve the Lord. See, it's not, a just, it's not enough just to pray, then you got to work. Here's a guy, Ananias. He lives in Damascus, one of the oldest cities in the world. One day he's in his prayer time, he gets a little whisper, gets a little nudge, gets a little prompt. It goes like this, one sentence. 
there's a man I want you to help. His name is Saul. He's from Tarsus. He's on straight street, and he wants to know me. Go find him. Pray for healing. Pray he'll be filled with the Spirit. And the world will change. This week, you will probably get a prompt for you to do something to help somebody. And you never know what big things may come out of that. Isn't this a precious little picture? Here's another thing about intercessors. Intercessors develop a friendship with God. We're all on even playing field. God is looking for friends, people that he loves to hang out with. You can't be a friend of God by praying once a month and only when you're in trouble. You got to learn to love his presence and spend time with him. Okay, are you, are you with me so far? You with me? Okay. Now let me give you, let's go down a list of some people in Scripture that God has greatly used as prayer warriors and intercessors. The first one is Abraham. Everyone say Abraham. Abraham. Let me tell you some things about Abraham. Abraham, God's called my, he said he's my friend. One day, because he was a man of prayer, the scripture says in Genesis 18, he went to his place of prayer. I suggest everybody develop a place where you pray. A rocking chair, an office, a back porch, 30-minute drive to work. I drive through the country in my minivan, cup of coffee, worship music. That's my place of prayer. Talk to the Lord about everything. Worship Him. So one day, he's hanging out with the Lord, and the Lord actually starts a conversation, and he says this, shall I hide? <clears throat> actually, Abraham is present and listening. Shall I hide what I'm about to do? Shall I hide from my friend what I'm about to do? And I'm sure Abraham went, what are you about to do? And he said, the cries of this Valley, two city-states, place called Sodom, real place, real place called Gomorrah. I just, I can't do this anymore. They've become so wicked. They've destroyed so many people's lives. I cannot do this, and I'm going to intervene, and it's not going to be pleasant. So Abraham starts dialoguing with him back, something like this. Well, Lord, you know I've got family down there. Yes, I know you've got family down there. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? No, that's not what I want to do. Okay, I trust you, Lord. Will the judge of all the earth not do the right thing? Yes, I will do the right thing. Then you see this ongoing discussion. And I'm sure the Lord is doing this. Come on, Abraham. Come on. Come on. I'm looking for an intercessor. So Abraham says, well, Lord, in that big city, what if there's 50 good people, 50 righteous people? Would you destroy it? Nope, I'm not going to destroy it if there's 50. Okay, Lord, great, great. Uh, pardon me. Can I, can I just ask you another thing? Well, what if there's only 40? Nope, not going to destroy it. Well, what if there's 30? 
don't, I don't, don't get mad. I'm just asking. We're friends. I can ask. If you have a friendship, you can ask, right? And finally, it gets down. What about 20? What about 10? Now, here's a great lesson about prayer. An intercessor is not a person who feels like they can twist God's arm to do what he doesn't want to do because they think it's a good idea. Now, do you ever do that? Do you ever tell God what you think is a good idea? Just be honest. Do you ever do that? You tell God what you think is a good idea? You know what? He really doesn't need your ideas. He's good without your ideas. He's going to make a good call without your ideas. And yet we, we kind of keep doing that. I've, I'm learning not to give him my ideas. Instead, I'm trying to learn to be his partner and ask him what his ideas are. You'll get more prayers answered if you say, Lord, what do you want? You see my situation. You see my family. You see my business. Tell me what you think is best. And Lord, if this is what I want and this is what you want, I'm not going to get you to come over here. If this is what you want, I want to come this way so we can line up. And when you do that, you will get prayers answered big time. Give you another one. Moses. Everyone say Moses. Really difficult situation. Moses, 40 days, 40 nights on top of this mountain called Sinai. He's given the tablet written by the finger of God with the Ten Commandments on it. As he comes down, he sees the people have gone crazy. They're starting to do wicked stuff and his own brother, the high priest, what's his name? Is leading it. He is so furious, and God is furious. He actually throws the tablets to the ground, and they break. And then God drops a bomb <coughs> on Moses. And he says this, uh, move over. Get out of the way. Distance yourself. I can't do this anymore. These people have rebelled and hurt me 10 times, and I'm done doing it. I'm going to destroy them. Now, here's what Moses did, and here's what I suggest you do. If God says, stop interceding, what he's really saying, he says, stop interceding, what he's really saying is intercede more. When he says, move away, he's actually saying, come close. When he tells Jeremiah, I want you to stop praying for these wicked people in Jerusalem, he tells them that twice. Really what he's saying is, you better start praying. So look at Moses' lessons in appealing. You can appeal to the God of heaven. Because God was saying, no, these, these are your people, Moses. He said it several times. These are your people, Moses. And Moses said, excuse me, Lord, they are not. I didn't create them. They are actually your people. Come on. They are your people. Yeah, I'm part of them, but they are your people. And the second, he said, I didn't bring them out. It wasn't my idea. You did the miracles that brought these three to four million people out of Egypt. 
that he goes on to say, Father, 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 think about it. You destroy all these people in the desert, and they deserve it. They deserve it. What are your enemies going to say? Because I told all of them, you were good, patient, loving, and kind. What are they going to say? God was saying, I am, but I want you to know that I am, Moses. I'm giving you the reasons why I won't. Then he goes on to say, you keep your promises. You kept your promise to Abraham. You kept your promise to his son, Isaac. You kept his promises to Jacob. And you're going to keep your promises because you, you cannot break your promises. Plus, you told that man that couldn't have a baby, Abraham, that one day his descendants would be as thick as the stars in the heaven. And if you destroy all these people, how can that happen? How can that be? And then he went on to say this. Are you ready? You promised them a land. Everyone say land. You know what? The Jewish people were promised the land. It's still their land. It is their inheritance. That's who it belongs to. He reminded God of what he said. And then God relented because he wanted to relent. He was looking for an intercessor to agree with his heart. And here's what that chapter says at the end. The Lord changed his mind. You say, does the Lord change his mind? If we change our mind. Here's another intercessor. His name is Samuel. Say Samuel. His very name means God's, God hears. I love this painting. After a great battle with the Philistines that the people won because God was with them, Samuel holds up his head. He's the most important person in the entire nation. He, and he says this, God forbid that I will sin against God by stopping to pray for you. Now, I want you to think about this. If you stop praying for your family, who's going to pray for them? If you stop praying for the city, if you stop praying for our nation, who's going to pray? Number four. David, King David was an intercessor. Now, this is a mess he built, a problem he caused. He bought land on top of a hill outside of Jerusalem, and he built an altar to worship and ask forgiveness. My wife this morning said, well, was it for him to be forgiven? Are the people to be forgiven? I went, yes and yes. He's the one that ticked the father off. When the father told him no, 
And he wanted a census of every man so he could know how many could fight. He wanted to know what his tax base was. He wanted to know how rich and powerful he was when the Holy Spirit and everybody around him said, please, please, please don't do this census. He did it anyway. If you persist when the Lord tells you no, you will only suffer. Now this is a drawing of what David's capital city looked like about 3,000 years ago. So the hill he bought was just north of that. It was called Moriah. And by David doing this sacrifice and confessing his sin and the sins of the people, he hoped that more people wouldn't die because of the plague going across the land. I want to show you a picture of what that hill became 2,000 years ago. It's where David's son built the temple. At the same place, Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac and didn't. In the same place he bought, it's where the temple stood. It's no longer there. It was destroyed, but it will be rebuilt one day soon. Another intercessor, Nehemiah. Everyone say Nehemiah. He was interceding for a broken city. Is our city broken? Yes or no? Yes. So it's, the book is practically a whole prayer book. You see prayer practically on every page. He finds out he's living in Persia a thousand miles away. He was born in Persia. Never been to Israel. And he finds out the city's destroyed, the walls are down, the gates are burned. And he starts praying because he says to himself, Lord, I see the need. Lord, I have the burden, but what do I do about it? Next step, he prays again. He's an assistant or food taster or cupbearer to the most powerful man in the world. He is a servant to the king of Persia. And he's going to approach the king of Persia. But before he does, he prays for three days. If he approaches the king without being asked, he could be executed on the spot. Now, some of you have difficult discussions with your boss, in your family, with a neighbor, a co-worker, and you don't even pray before you do it. You just open your mouth and insert foot. It's better to pray and write before you open your mouth. And then once they got started, he said, Lord, I need favor. Favor means, but, uh, do any of you work with people? Do any of you manage people? Do any of you live around people? You know what favor means? The Lord supernaturally causes them to look with you at you in a positive light. He said, Lord, I can't get these obstinate people to work if you don't give me favor. Give me favor, Lord, if I'm going to serve you. Then he prayed for strength. Chapter 6. Lord, I can't do this unless you help me. Give me strength. 
Then he prayed for protection. There were four attempts, four plots on his life. So here's, here's how the book rolls. Here's how Nehemiah was successful. He prayed and he worked. Would you say that with me, please? He prayed and he worked. One more time. He prayed and he worked. And then he prayed and he led. He prayed and he led. Queen Esther, Queen of Persia, there was a date on the calendar. Every Jew in 22 provinces would be executed on a certain day. So wicked people could take all of their belongings. When she was informed about it, since she was Jewish herself, she asked her adopted father to get the news out all across the capital city Pray for three days and fast for three days because here's the deal. If we don't pray, we all die. So we pray. And they were spared. The seventh one is Job. If you've never read the book of Job, the book of Job inspires me in spite of the difficulty. And Job, who did Job pray for? his children. Chapter 1, verse 5. It says that Job got up every morning early, spent time with God, made offerings for his children because he said, perhaps my children don't understand what I do. And I'm asking that you would help them, forgive them, and come to them. So I suggest we all pray for our children, our grandchildren. Point number eight, Paul was an intercessor too. Do you know why Paul was an intercessor? He planted church, churches all around the Mediterranean because he cared. Romans, the great church at Rome that was started, he said, I want you to know, I've never stopped praying for you guys. And at Church of the Savior, we pray because we care. Intercessors change history. If you've never prayed before, you can learn. Why do intercessors change history? Because intercessors and prayer moves the hands of God. Well, won't he move without prayer? Uh, I don't think so. God will not move until he finds an intercessor to agree with him. People blame God for our country. People blame God for our families. People blame God for a lot of stuff. Well, maybe we should be the ones that should get the blame because we have not been talking to him. It's the devil we should blame. So what he's looking for is partners who would join him in his work. 
in the book of Ezekiel. Say this out loud. Read, read this thing the Father said to Ezekiel the prophet for his people. Say it with me, please. I sought for a man among them who would build up the wall, stand in the breach before me for the land, that I would not destroy it, but I couldn't find one person to pray. So, I'm asking, would you join us? We are a church who loves to pray. If we've been praying at this level, I have faith that our level of prayer can go from here to here this next year. And I'm asking you, our church family, whether you're age 8 or age 80, to join me in growing in prayer this year for our church, our city, our nation, your families. You have not because you ask not. Now, two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, we felt prompted by the Lord to try to mobilize our entire city to pray. Simple plan. I asked churches and pastors to take one day of the month to pray for our city. And over the last year, we've got about 22 churches, maybe 23. We were the first ones to take a day. We took the first Friday. What day did we take? First Friday. A lot of us were praying this past Friday. We start Friday noon. We pray to Saturday noon. One hour blocks. I had a pastor's meeting. 51 pastors showed up last Tuesday. And we had another six churches say, we want to join. And I got another three or four pastors that say, I want to figure it out. Some of them said, we can only pray an hour. I go, pray an hour. Pray an hour. Let's cover this city in prayer. Let's see the presence of God come to our city. Now, if we're going to go from here to here, here's a simple way to do it. We've redesigned our website to make it really easy. Go to our website, churchofthesavior.net. Amen. Go to Unceasing Prayer. And Susie, who helped us with her, web, does this website in a wonderful way. Look at the logo she put together. UP Unceasing Prayer with the arrow up. So go to Unceasing Prayer. We have 24 captains or 24 blocks of prayer. I'm so grateful for these people saying, I'll do it. Select one of them. It may be 8 in the morning, Saturday. It may be 3 in the afternoon, Friday. Click on one of them and just register for a group and join. It's very simple. You click, put your name, email, phone number there, and click. Now, here's something we've not done before. You say, I can't. most of us come to the church and pray. But you say, I can't do that because of work and family. You can click a box that says, I will pray from home at this time. And you will be a part of that prayer group even though you don't come here and pray. 
But everyone's got to register anew. I've got about seven guys that pray with me at two in the morning. Someone told us that was the most difficult time to get people to pray. And I said, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. We'll pray. But now all of them are empty. So we can start fresh. There are men's groups and women's groups. Find one that works for you. Praying here does have its advantages. Like what? One, you're going to grow from other people's praying. Praying by myself, especially at two, I get tired and sleepy and discouraged. But if there's seven of us praying, I get excited. And with the Lord's presence shows up. And if you don't know how to pray, this is a great way to learn to pray. Make sense? You got it? So at Church of the Savior, we are intercessors. We are intercessors first. Yes, we are evangelists. Yes, we love missions. Yes, we love Bible teaching. Yes, we love children's ministry. But we are intercessors first. Because that makes everything else go. We are a people of prayer. And this is a prayer movement that's spreading across the city that will bring revival. I know it will. Don't know when, don't know how, and here's why we pray. Are you ready? We pray because we cannot. We pray because God can. That's why we pray. I can't. I'm not smart enough. Don't have the resources. Can't do it. But when I pray, he shows up. Now let me tell you a story. Worship team, would you guys come out, please? 1940, Europe. World War II started 1939. The Nazis that overtook Germany, their armies and their military equipment and something they called Blitzkrieg, which meant lightning war. They took Poland. They took Austria. They took Czechoslovakia. They took Greece. They took Italy. They took Denmark. They took Sweden. They took, they rolled through France in two weeks. And look at this map. The only two armies fighting were the French and the English. They pretty much ran through the French like a hot knife through butter. The English fought really hard, and the English and French armies were backed up into the western part of France. They were surrounded. See the map? The German army surrounded them. The Allies were outgunned, had no morale, and they were just waiting to be finished off, and there was no hope. Here's what the British military leaders said. Well, we can't do anything to help you guys. You're on your own. 
We can only get so many people because we don't have enough troop transports to get you across the channel. I'm sorry. There's not much we can do. Well, there was a new prime minister. What's his name? Winston Churchill. He said, sorry is not good enough. So he went on the radio and he said, we can find a way. I don't know how, but we can get our men, our fathers, our teenage soldiers out of France. We can do it if we can just find a way. So he went on the radio and he said over and over, if you have a boat, a fishing boat, if you have a sailboat, if you have a ferry boat, if you're rich and you have a yacht, I want you to get in your yacht. I want you to get in your fishing boat. If you can save six, I want you to save six. I want you to cross the 20 miles across the channel. And I want you to start picking up our boys and bringing them back. Picking up our boys and bringing them back. Picking up our boys and bringing them back. And it was dangerous because Nazi planes were strafing them. Uh, Nazi submarines were torpedoing the ships. Thousands of civilians and military people still died trying to get to safety. But they picked up the boys. Well, how many did they pick up? Well, in nine days, nine dangerous, deadly days, they picked up 338,000 troops and got them out of France. Say amen. Hitler could have won World War II in 1940, but here's what happened. This man that went through 10 countries quickly, he did the most unexplainable thing. He told his generals to call off the attack. They couldn't believe it. Stand down. And when he did that, the British and the French escaped. But why did he do that? Well, history says it was Churchill that performed the miracle at Dunkirk. But let me say, that's not how heaven sees it. It wasn't Churchill. It was this man right here. His name is Reese Howells. He wasn't in the army. He wasn't a general. He wasn't prime minister. He was a friend of God. He was an intercessor. And he ran a small Bible college on the coast of England. And he got his college students walking up and down the beach, praying for nine days, lifting their hands in worship, praying, asking for the God of heaven to intervene and save these boys. And God heard their prayer. And their prayer meeting spread from that one Bible school beside the ocean to all across Great Britain. And the miracle at Dunkirk happened because of prayer. The Lord put that idea in Churchill's head because the people prayed. 
So as we get ready to take the Lord's table, I'm just going to ask you, <clears throat> I'm just going to be bold. I'm just going to ask you right to your face. Would you join me and join this church and try to pray, if you don't know how, try to pray one hour on our first Friday. And I'm going to ask if you'll do that, would you go to our website, churchofthesavior.net and click find a web, find an hour and join that hour for a year. If you'll do that, would you hold your hand up? Hold your hand up. Excellent. Anybody else? Hold your hand up. Hold your hand up. Well, Father, I just thank you today that history is changed by intercessors who become your partners. And we thank you that on the night, so if you take the elements, the communion elements in your hand, if you'd open the smaller end and put the bread in your hand, Lord, I just thank you that you offered your own body to be broken for us, that we could be healed and be adopted. Take and eat. And if you'd peel back the other side, and Lord, this is not a religious observant as we take the cup. It's saying we're grateful for our salvation. Grateful you are our high priest. Grateful we are sons and daughters. And grateful that we are forgiven. Take and drink. During this last time, the altar is open. If you wish to kneel and pray, there's people that will pray with you right here too on the sides. Let's worship. Break every stronghold, 
want to give people an invitation to receive Christ. That's where it starts. Whether you're watching online or here, just say to the Lord Jesus, Jesus, I need you. I give you everything because I can't manage myself. Forgive me, cleanse me, be my Savior and Lord. Give me a home in heaven and make me your child today because I want to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, tell somebody before you left, serve him well, have a great day, pick up your children. You're really loved and appreciated. 
Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, would you please reach out to us? We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week. God bless.